Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. Today, we're going to be rounding off the mini-series on container self-storage in style by having an in-depth conversation with industry expert Chris Williams of Willbox. Willbox is one of the UK's leading container hire and sales businesses, so perfect to give us advice. And Chris brings a wealth of experience and real understanding of how this market actually works. So welcome, Chris. Morning, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Chris, you're in a really unique position. I've been able to see how lots and lots of different operators work in this space. And you can observe, I guess, what really works well and what works not so well. But can you just give us a a background of how you actually got to this place and how you've learned so much about container self-storage? Yeah, certainly. So I I came into Wheelbox. It was uh, 2012 when I joined the business. Um, it's the container division or container and cabin division. So, um, mentioned previously, we do sort of site accommodation equipment. So, it was that arm of our family business, which is William Shipping, which is a, a, a sort of marine and logistics business based down in down in Southampton. Um, and I'd been involved with um, Wheelbox around 2008 when it was uh, when it was rebranded. So before it was William Shipping Cabins and Containers, which obviously is quite long winded and doesn't really fit very well onto a onto a business card. So yeah. we um, we had a sort of a big rebranding exercise in 2008 with a new website and and all the rest of it. You know, sort of all new logos, which was which was great and really sort of pushed pushed forward with it. And then. Um, after that, sort of went went back to university, and then um, I had a bit of bit of time away after leaving leaving uni, and then sort of an opportunity sort of um, came about to to go back into the business, and um, yeah, it just made sense to to join Wheelbox. It was you know I was really really passionate about it. I mean, it's um, <laughs> I don't know how you know excited you can be about containers, but I think I'm probably up there. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to sort of metal boxes. So it was um, it, it was really sort of fascinating um, to me to, to sort of, you know, immerse myself in that in that in that side of the company. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of, you know, when I when I joined it and at the time we were um, we were a lot, lot smaller. I think we had a rental fleet, uh, six or seven hundred containers. Um, and primarily around uh, the south of um, south of England, and then sort of we went, you know, from there, sort of 2012 onwards, um, set up new sites around uh, around the UK, um, and really sort of developed what we were doing at that time. It was primarily renting equipment to the construction side. We didn't, you know, construction industry. We didn't have too much involvement in self storage, but we uh, expanded it. We we sort of grew the number of locations we had, and and sort of made sure we had full national coverage um and then from there the, the self-storage thing sort of grew really we were getting more inquiries from um people you know looking to get containers for their site and um yeah it's sort of the business you know it still does construction but there's a, a part of it that kind of went off on you know really focusing on um supplying units for uh, the self-storage sector which has been which has been really good and it is a it is a booming market I was going to say it must be a real growth market now. I mean, just roughly, how many sort of containers do you sell a year or supply? I appreciate sometimes your your model is not necessarily just to sell them, you might hire them, but to the self storage industry, what sort of numbers are we talking about? Yeah, it's a good um, good question actually. So we sell anywhere between sort of two and a half to three thousand um, containers a year. Um, now, I would say probably 30-40% of those are directly to um, self-storage sites but then we we do a lot of containers sort of wholesale within within a trade network of you know sort of other resellers um, and I'd imagine a lot of those are going into self-storage companies as well yeah. so 
in total, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, w- I would imagine it, it would be sort of 50% plus are actually landing on a, a self-storage site somewhere in the UK. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. And yeah. you mentioned there about different sites. Where, where are you actually based yourself and, and where does where's the business based? So the, the, the sort of headquarters for the business is in Southampton. Um, so we've, we've got um, three locations down there sort of for the different parts of the different parts of the company and the main head office is, is just next to the next to the docks and that's where the, the transport business is, is primarily based. But Wheelbox has sort of moved just slightly um, outside of Southampton now. We've got a, a depot there where we do all of our conversion work and store a lot of our, our sales stock. So that's sort of our, our main our main hub. Um, and then we have both hire and sales locations up and down the country. The hire business will um, usually store with transport companies. That's what we tend to do. Whereas the sales side of the business will store its stock within a container depot. And those container depots are, are typically storing for, um, you know, shipping lines and, and um, lease line containers and all that kind of stuff. So slightly different, but you know, then we've got locations where you might have two depots, you know, one for hire and sales, but they're, they're all up and down the country. So we've got a nice, nice spread, which is good. Good spread. That's, that's great. So our, our listeners are based, well, they're not just in the UK, they're, they're in other locations too, but they're fairly well spread around. And the fact that you've got a network there really helps. What, just just to give our listeners a bit of context here, what's the sort of the least number of containers you would sell? Um, what's the sort of biggest number you've you've sold out to self stores? Just you know, as a site, as somebody ordered, you know, I don't know, a hundred containers, or do you yeah. take orders for one container? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we we have had orders before for um, sort of around a hundred containers. That's um, you know that that's something we we certainly can do, and we we have done in the past. Um, you tend not to see see much of it. Um, one of the reasons is because even you know ordering. 100 containers the actual logistics getting them to site you know you still got you know limitations there so they tend to be in in smaller batches so that companies can bring in you know maybe sort of 10 or 20 containers sort of fill the majority of those up and then get the next, next yeah in. yeah it's good so for we, good for cash flow yeah exactly yeah but we have had you know we have had sort of the big orders where you know someone has set up a site and they just want it you know they want it as full as possible on on day one and we'll do a you know a a dedicated order for them and start um dropping them in you know but it's it's the it's being happy that you might have to wait a while for those all to be you know to to be let really Um, so i would say typically most people will just get one or two containers at a time more often than not they'll get a pair of containers because your transport you know when you're delivering them um, it's better to do it as a pair because you'll make up a full load um, on, on the truck. So that's the that's the, the best way to do it. But when we're, you know, advising people doing a, a self-storage, um, you know, set up and doing site surveys and all this kind of thing to help people when they're developing a new site, um, we always advise that, you know, for your first order, you, you essentially want enough containers so the site looks um, it looks fairly full, you know, looks professional, looks like, an, you know, a serious a serious business. <laughs> But not too many that you're going to have sleepless nights that you can't fill them, you can't get them let quick enough. Yeah, I guess the image of a, a hundred container storage site with just two containers when it opens on the first day is probably not <laughs> yeah. very exciting for a customer. Exactly. Yeah, it can be a little bit a little bit daunting if you, if you see that, you know, a little bit unnerving for the for the customer. But um, it's it's just having is it's a manageable amount. I'd say that's the that's the main thing. Don't don't overstretch overstretch. Yeah. Okay. Generally. So and it's interesting to hear you say you know you you do offer an advisory service for customers or potential customers and and maybe maybe we'll dip into that later on but just now could you just tell me what sort of what's the size of a typical customer who's got container cell storage so somebody who's got an operation we mentioned there are 100 containers but but what's uh, do you have any idea what the sort of typical size of site is it, it is it is difficult because you've got um you've got customers that've got you know multiple multiple sites and and there's 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 a couple of different different aspects where you know if someone can't expand uh, into new locations they'll tend to expand their site and by you know with doing that they'll generally try and open up a larger area or they'll go too high and you know to try and maximize that maximize that that space but i'd say sort of you know around the 100 container mark is is sort of a 
you know, it's a, it's a typical a typical site. Um, and then we have clients that have got sort of, you know, two or three sites and some even more than that. But typically we're dealing with people with, you know, one site and, you know, 100 boxes and plus, you know, and they'll try and they'll try and grow yeah. that and go go second second level. Uh, we have got, you know, some operators that have got one site with 400 containers on it. You know, wow. there there are some of those as well. So it it's a lot of it is down to um, the limiting factor of you know of, of the space and whether you can go too high and and what the area is as well. I mean, you might be in a you know in a in a village or town and there's really not enough customers for a massive site. So you you get a smaller smaller area of, of land and you say, well, this this site's only going to be between fifty and hundred containers and that's fine. You know, that's all we need for this for this area. And you might have. Yeah local competitors as well so it's not worth you know stretching yourself with you know several hundred containers because you just you know you might not fill them or you have to just go to rock bottom prices to fill them so you know it's it's um it's that way up really it'd be interesting to to work out where um saturation of containers actually is we, we, we've got a reasonable number of competitors around us but uh, as I've said to listeners before, at the moment we're 100% full, and, and and I think you and I discussed that. It was partly down to the fact that there's a lot of disruption going on in the world at the moment, so people mm-hmm. tend to use a lot more self-storage. But it's interesting to know where saturation, inverted commas, actually is. And you just have to look at the US market, don't you, to think, wow, we are a long way from anywhere near that sort of point, or at least in my opinion it seems that way. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've had... Um you know, as I said, I joined in, um, you know, 2012 and there's been numerous conversations, you know, each year when we're selling, selling containers to self-storage businesses and it's growing each year, selling more and more. And, you know, various people that I've, I've worked with have said, right, that's got to be the ceiling. You know, that's, that's got to be it. There can't be, uh, can't be any more containers because where, where are they all going? You know, obviously Wheelbox, we, we supply, you know, a healthy amount of containers into that market, but we're, we're just, one of many you know there are other other suppliers out there so you just think there's all these containers going around to all of these sites and you know all up and down the country um you know so where where are they they're all going and you know the demand is is picking up year on year so it is um yeah it, it is strange and I, I i don't know i don't know where the where the ceiling is going to be and when the sort of bubble may burst but as you say we're a long way away from the sort of um you know the american market so you know, uh, I think many more years is probably the, um, the yeah. answer, which, which is a good thing. You know, especially for people looking to to invest in in this industry. It's it's on it's on the front edge of a trend, isn't it? And it's mm. just changing demographics, price price of houses, people work. I mean, the whole fact that people are starting to work from home a little bit more at the moment. They need uh, they need that spare room now. Just all those sort of lifestyle changes are affecting how people are storing things. Mm. Interestingly, a lot of our customers though are because we tend to have multi-let sites we'll have containers sitting alongside other offerings like office space or, or warehousing or something and a lot of our customers then take a container as well so our exposure to kind of the domestic market is a little bit less maybe 30 percent of our customers maybe even more less actually okay um so interestingly from from our small part of the world, um, our business customer numbers are also going up, which is interesting to see. Yeah. So um, let me just ask you then, while you're out seeing all these many different operators, Chris, what, what, what are you spotting that people are doing well? What have you observed? You know, you think that's, that's a great idea. What, are, what, what tips can you give people that are looking at setting up and running a uh, self-storage container facility? that you've seen providers do out there is there anything you can give us as a a few nuggets yeah absolutely i mean i don't i don't want to you know undersell um our products because you obviously you know you know my views containers are fantastic and i think they're 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 a brilliant you know brilliant commodity as they are but a fantastic um fantastic product for the um for for the self-storage market but at the end of the day they they are that they are a they are a steel box and and between all the all the different suppliers there's there's only sort of a handful of differences between the specifications so to make your site stand out it's it's all the other bits you know it's all the you know all all the add-ons all the all the extras and you've got to you've got to make um self-storage or or storing for the customer um a great experience that's the most the the, the most important thing they know they're storing you know inside a container and they're going to vary from site to site and you've got somewhere you've got you know 
drive up units which are slightly different but generally they get they get the concept but they want it to be easy and enjoyable and i think the the sites i've been to where they they really stand out um they spend um a lot of a lot of time getting their brand spot on you know doing their you know a lot of a lot of investment in their marketing they've got very slick websites they make the the quotation process very easy they they follow up on uh, on inquiries meeting clients on site you know helping them on the on the move-in day you know those are vital those parts of you know the the actual experience are are absolutely vital and I think um, a a lot of sites they you know they'll make more rather than the the containers the actual you know units you're storing and they'll make more of the security of the site you know they'll make it look good they have they have good gates nice fencing they have cameras and lighting and, and and often sort of people on people on site as well so those extras are what what really sell it you know it's it, you're you're investing in that company to look after your you know your possessions you know and a lot of them are you know it's you know it's important stuff for you isn't it it's your, your valuables so um you've got to you've got to trust in the people you're dealing with and that and that brand and i think that's what that's what sets aside the you know the, the sites that are doing really well from those that are uh, and not doing quite as quite as well as they could be. That's great. Thanks, Chris. Um, let's move on a little bit to pricing. Okay, it's, um, obviously COVID's been going on at the moment, and and it'd be interesting to know how that's affected container prices, or is it just supply? And you know, what would be the typical price for a one trip twenty foot container? And maybe you want to explain what a one trip twenty foot container is, of course. And has has COVID affected things, or are prices staying? reasonably level unfortunately it has yeah massive uh massive sort of changes um in in the in the pricing over the um over the past few months so we we are seeing um factory build prices uh increase month on month and that's been the that's been the trend you know sort of since since the covid covid outbreak started um and there's a couple of you know a couple of different different factors for it really i mean they were you know they were quite large shutdowns in um in the factories out in china um and then there were problems you know when they were starting up you know actually getting the uh getting the containers built so you did have this big um big supply issue um and depending on who you talk to in china as well there's there's supply issues getting components and materials for the containers as well so it's all you know impacting the you know the the price uh, which we have seen um climb significantly now i don't know if that's um you know going to continue for for much longer hopefully it's sort of only going to be um sort of into into next year and then sort of it will level out and you know hopefully it might might even reduce again because obviously for for us selling the containers there there is a ceiling people don't want to be you know over uh, overpaying for the product um i still think it's you know good um the, the containers really good good value but it does get to a point you know where it makes it difficult for for consumers um but but generally um you know the, the one trip containers as i mentioned you know they are um predominantly all, all built out out in china um and the shipping lines will utilize containers that, that you know uh, traders such as ourselves are buying in the factories and they will use those to get get them loaded and get them sent over so that's when you're here sort of you know um one trip or single use and you know one-way shippers and all these kind of terms um it, it it does mean that essentially it means the containers have been filled um by the uh, by the shipping lines and sent over and then they'll get um get dropped into our into our depot so it's you know it's essentially um you know we're sort of piggybacking on the back of the uh of the shipping lines to get the get the product over so it's been a you know it's 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 worked it, it has worked really really well but where there's you know been this kind of shut down in china and then trying to pick things up and obviously demand then surging again it's it's throwing things out of kilter so we've um you know we've just seen supply has been difficult and and pricing shot up so just one of the, the difficult things from from the outbreak but as i said you know normality will will return it's just trying to guess roughly when that might happen yeah so really it's just simple economics isn't it demand and supply demand's going up supply is trying to catch up yeah and therefore price has gone up so just on the actual price i mean uh, and i'm not holding you to anything of course 
<laughs> Although um, I might need some containers soon. Um, what, what's the uh, typical sort of price somebody might be paying for a couple of containers, 20-foot containers just now? Yeah, so the, it, it, a lot of it does depend on, on location, obviously. Of course. As well, but sort of, you know, I'd say the, the ceiling at the moment is sort of the two and a half grand mark. Um, you, everything's everything's purchased from the factories in, in dollars as well. So that has a, um, you know, that has an impact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we've seen containers sort of getting getting up to the two and a half um, thousand pound mark, which is which is high. I mean, it's it probably yeah. since I've been doing it, that is the, the highest point at which we've been, which we've, we've been we've been selling containers. Um, yeah. You know, and it has been as low before as about twelve hundred pounds. So you can see, you know, it's um, it's a big it's a big change, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember buying containers back in, I think it would have been about two thousand and ten, nine, ten, just when things were changing. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the financial crisis was going on, but but things took a while to work their way through, and and they were they were up at that sort of level two yeah. and a half something like that they were yeah. quite expensive then and and how does that compare with the second hand market because you guys do deal with second hand containers i believe yeah yeah absolutely so um we don't supply anywhere near the near the numbers of the the new ones but um you know still still a decent amount and it works slightly different with the with the second hand boxes because we'll we'll do uh, deal directly with either shipping lines or, or lease lines to to bring those into the into the uk um, and they can be sort of around the you know 10 15 15 year old mark when when we're getting them in uh, and roughly about half the price to save a, a new one i think um, okay. these ones now sort of around the around the 1300 pound mark something like that um again depending on where they are and obviously you've got a lot of you know condition you know uh, um, of course, as yeah. well you know depending depending on what they're like uh, and we we sell off quite a few from our higher fleets uh, throughout the year so you know those sort of ex ex rental ones that they're, they're priced a bit higher, but depending on where you know um, where they've been when we when we've purchased them, sort of um, or sort of you know um, bought them back or purchased, um, sold them on from, um, they can be actually in quite good you know quite good condition. Yeah. The ex the ex high ones, you know, they might have been to a self storage site and they they've barely been used. You know, it's only been sort of uh, ground level storage and and usually you know just sort of household items so they're they're in, in really good condition so there are some there are some deals to be had definitely part, part of the challenge with that though of course is having a multicolored site yeah <laughs> back to your thing about brand you've got an orange container next to a green one next to one shade of blue next to a different shade of blue it does start looking a bit odd yeah uh, just in actually in terms of colors do do, does that affect pricing very much? If you, for instance, you decide um, you're going to go for a green color or or a, a, a blue color, is there a price difference? Um, greens and blues are, are fine. They're they're the the standard colors really for most uh, most traders um, readily available. There's a couple of differences in shade between um, between uh, between the suppliers you know some have sort of darker blues or lighter blues but yeah. typically if you're just wanting a blue or a green you can have no no problem if you're wanting anything um you know bespoke sort of a special color for your um for your branding um you'll pay more if you want that done in the uk um if you're happy to wait and do a dedicated order with with, with a factory in china we we would arrange that so if you want it you know pink with blue spots whatever it might be that's fine yeah. we can do that you will just have to have to wait and you will have to order a certain number um because obviously the factory don't want to be just putting 10 pink containers through a through a run when they're doing sort of you know a thousand containers a day it wouldn't really be that um that efficient for them but um yeah it's it's not a problem if you want um you know pink or purple containers um, it can be done. Stop giving all our secrets away, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you signed an NDA. <laughs> They're not supposed to know we're doing pink containers next year. <laughs> Let me introduce you to a key partner for our storage container business. Wheelbox has over 20 locations throughout the UK and their own transport, which is just one of the reasons we choose to use Wheelbox for our container requirements. All of their products are available for hire, lease purchase or outright purchase, so you can create a balance between cash flow expenditure up front and cash flow over the longer term. They also have their own in-house fabrication and conversion facilities, which allows them to create bespoke container or modular designs just for you. And as part of the service, the team provide a fully comprehensive self-storage consultancy package to anyone looking to expand their current sites or breaking into this fast-growing industry. Now, I'm really excited to tell you Wheelbox are currently offering a free aerial site survey for you, our listeners. 
Just quote CPI Network when you get in touch and they'll create a site drawing showing your optimal container layout. Now that's really useful. Perfect for you to maximize your drive up storage ideas. So check out the show notes or simply type Willbox into your browser and reach out to their amazing team to discuss how Willbox can be a key partner to you unlocking your self storage goals. We spoke about shipping costs. So if somebody buys a container from you or two containers, um, your price doesn't, I'm assuming, doesn't include shipping costs, land shipping costs, because it depends where you are in the UK, doesn't it? Yeah, so if, if, if you're just to um, relocate boxes within within the UK, I'd say it it, it it really depends on how close you are to one of the depots where that, that container or those containers have, have dropped into. Um, I would say budget between sort of, you know, 250, maybe 300 pounds for, uh, for a container or, you know, yeah. bring a, a, okay. a pair of containers sort of between five and 600 pounds for that, for that pair. Um, but it can be much less than that. You know, if you're close to, um, close to a depot, um, probably be less than half, you know, cause it's, it's not going to be that, you know, that long to actually deliver them. But, you know, if you're allowing, yeah, 250, 300 per box, it's giving you that day rate for, for a truck. Um, one of the things as well, I mean, obviously being being up in in Scotland, you're sort of well aware it's it's you know tricky to get get um, products um, up there. So a lot of the a lot of the traders will use the train. That's quite popular. So the train containers up from uh, typically Felixstowe um, into one of the hubs in Scotland, and then transport them by road from there. So that's another another thing we can do. And do you because we have different ports in the UK? I mean, we are being quite specific to the UK here, but it, it, we have. Liverpool up here we have Grangemouth, mm-hmm. Portsmouth. There's lots of different places where containers come in. Do you sell them from that location, or do you tend to pull them back to one of your depots, or how does that work? Yeah, so when we're um, arranging the containers to actually um, come across to the UK, you have to um, uh, you have to specify sort of the dedicated seaports where you're going to be um, delivering you know product into. So um, that would, for us, we typically use Southampton quite a lot. Um, we get stuff into London, into Liverpool, and Felixstowe is quite um, quite a useful uh, useful seaport as well for us. As I said, we can we've got good rail networks from there, so we can spread spread stock around. And then following that, you tend to have your um, your inland locations. So these can include uh, Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, Grangemouth, obviously one you you just mentioned. So um, those inland hubs tend to work slightly differently so what will happen is you'll you'll have the stock going you know destined for one of your seaport locations so shall we say um but then you might have on that you know on that ticket for the for, for the shipper that you know should you be passing leads for example you can drop the product into there um so what tends to happen is um you'll get a spread of containers through the through the UK, but there'll be less in the inland ones because the, the haulier will tend to go back to a seaport for his next job, you know, to pick up another container. Yeah. Now and again, he might be like, oh, okay, I've got to pop into to Manchester to pick something up. So they'll drop the box there. So we don't, we can't guarantee stock as well in, uh, you know, within the inland locations as we can for the sea um, seaports. A lot of our listeners um, in this wee mini-series have been asking about the finance element. Finance always seems to bubble to the top whenever you're having conversations around property or uh, container storage. So I just wanted to ask you, um, when people are looking to get started in this in this great business, what are the different ways that Willbox can actually help? Because there's a surprising number of ways that you can actually help with finance. So one option, obviously, is somebody comes to you and pays two and a half thousand or whatever it is for a container but you have got other ways to support people with that could you maybe just go through some of those options chris absolutely so um wheelbox as a business we we're, we're sort of um set up and, and used to um hiring and selling all our all of our equipment so as i said sort of you know at the beginning of the the podcast um the business was always primarily um, supplying equipment to to the construction industry, and a lot of that was on um, on a rental basis. So we do have um, a relatively large hire fleet. So hiring equipment, whether it's for well across across all markets, even if it's an, an individual, that is no problem for us. We're we're very very used to to hiring uh, hiring our our equipment. Um, what we do for um, the self storage 
market, which is which is slightly different. Um, and we're able to to supply it really for, for most customers is a is a rent to buy scheme. So what we what we tend to do with this is we will actually um, fix a purchase price on the on the higher contracts, so our, you know clients can see what the cost of that uh, of that container or um, whatever it might be any 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 sort of type of equipment but they can see what it will be to, to purchase it and then we'll give them a, um, a fixed percentage of their rental revenue that's accrued with us off that amount at the end of the um, at the end of the high when they purchase that that bit of kit so they always know the whole way through the rental um, uh, the rental contract what the settlement price is for uh, that container or that bit of equipment so it's just quite nice you know it's a good Peace of mind, the peace of mind that they know if they're going to, you know, buy all the units off of their site and they've got, you know, fifty, hundred containers, whatever it might be. They know at all times what that's going to cost them. Yeah, and if if they were doing the rent to buy, is there a deposit to pay on that, or is it um, a more geared towards rental in terms of the um, expenditure that people are putting out? And then at the end, there's a balloon payment. So, um, the actual structure of those uh, those contracts fo- follows the same as our, our sort of standard hire contracts. So the um, it's not a deposit as such, but the the initial invoice is um, is, is the haulage and, and the first month of of rental. So that just goes as your, uh, yeah. as your first um, first invoice, and and then it's rolling from then on. Um, the only stipulations with it is we we don't sort of settle the containers before six months. There is a six month sort of minimum rental term on, on those. Um, mm-hmm. And you are agreeing to take those containers. So, if for whatever reason, you know, as we've, we've both been saying, you know, it's a strong, you know, self storage is, you know, it's a strong market, you know, and I'm, I'm yet to see, you know, a, a new site fail for any reason. But, um, you know, if you decide, no, actually, I, this isn't for me anymore and I want to send, send the containers back, then there's, there's just a small penalty payment on that to cover admin. So, generally, it's very low cost. You know, there's not any. You know, there's no sort of hidden fees or anything like that. It's all very transparent and and, and easy to uh, easy to work on, really. Um, and a nice uh, a nice thing we find um, is that it can be for one container or or 100 containers. You know, that once you've sort of um, agreed that with um, with us, you can just pick containers as as you want them. Really, you're not sort of committed to a certain number at any one uh, any one time so if you did say yeah okay i want to i want to go down this route and, and do this scheme but only two containers at, at a time you know every couple of weeks whatever it might be it's no problem you know we like that flexibility it works for our clients and that's you know that's that's what's good for us the, the main thing is people you know like working with our company and enjoy um, um you know enjoy our service and, and want to work more with us really um, that's the that, that's the most okay. important thing so it's just about keeping keeping things easy um we 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 do as well work with um uh, uh companies that do asset finance for containers yeah. uh, there's a company out there called Morgate who's who we've worked um with before i'm sure there's, there's plenty others but they will actually do um lease purchase agreements on on containers because it's not always something the banks want to provide asset finance for so there are companies out there which will um, which will do sort of your your fix, you know, three, four, five year term contracts, whatever it might be. Yeah. So there's yeah, that's great. That we've used that last option. So basically, you've got buy it outright, hire the container, I guess indefinitely if you wish to, rent to buy, yep. which sounds like a, a nice halfway house because you're not fully committing to buying that container. Yeah. Um, I appreciate if we do, you know, if one does decide to return it or, or take it off higher, that you, you know, there's going to be some costs associated, but you're still not fully committed, which is really what the last one is. If you do an asset finance through a third party, effectively they buy the asset from you. Yeah. At least my understanding is they buy it from you and then you, as or we as customers, will then have an agreement with them to buy that off them over 60 months or 36 months or whatever it is we decide, but you are fully committed to doing it. But it's interesting that you can get into this market without necessarily putting a lot of money up front for the containers themselves. The site obviously is a different thing. That's slightly different. And and maybe before we go on to what well, I've got a few questions lined up here and a wee quick fire round, but before we move on to that, we mentioned earlier on, Chris, that you do help, because of your experience, you do help people um, establish new sites, 
give them some tips, some thoughts on layout, etc. And and there's quite a few things, of course, that come into into play. One is the the, the ground, what what the ground substrate's like, what planning conditions there are, how the site will actually work with 20 foot containers, which is all that we've really spoken about is 20 foots, but obviously there mm. are 40s and there are 10s and things. Can you maybe just go through a little bit of what people ex- can expect if they were to phone up yourself or one of your team to talk about a potential site? Absolutely, yeah. And it's um, yeah, it's, it, it's something I get get really excited about, actually. It's, it, we only introduced it um, uh, a few years ago, actually, sort of doing the um, sort of site setup service. Um, and it and it's great for us. I mean, we you know it's an opportunity for us to go out and meet the um, meet the customers, um, go to their sort of you know it might not be a site they have yet, but you know sort of a prospective site, um, and sort of just just analyze it really. You know, we, we'll sort of get the get the drone out and um, doing do sort of aerial shots and measure up and 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 put together a layout for them, which we which we do sort of um, you know CAD designers and work out how the how the site could could look. And 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 as you mentioned, we'll we'll put together a, a sort of a, a product mix, you know, what's going to work best for that site, you know, is it, are you mainly going to get, you know, commercial um, customers there? Are you going to need large units for business use or is it mainly going to be the consumer market? You know, are you next to a university? Are you going to need sort of maybe smaller rooms for, you know, just box storage almost? Um, so we'll, we'll help them, you know, um, come up with a, a design. Uh, we'll talk to them about what the site might need in terms of um, in terms of groundworks or you know the security lighting, all this all this kind of stuff. Um, and obviously talk to them about you know the the costings and you know not just for what we're supplying, but also what they need to look at. Um, you know with their you know financially with their pricing as well. You know have they got some competitors in the area that we you know have have noticed and, and we sort of know the what prices they're going out at. So we can give them a real kind of um, good analysis of whether a, a site is going to be a good option, um, good option for them, and how you know we would do it if we were going to come in and sort of set up. And that's the that's the main thing. So it's a bit of bit of handholding, but it's it's really good. Um, hopefully, it's good for the customer, but it's really useful for us as well because we build that relationship, and then we know exactly. Um, you know, we can help the whole way through the journey with that with that customer, and we we know what they're trying to achieve, um, and hopefully, the advice that we give them. Um, is useful and, and you know and if they enjoy working with us hopefully on site one they like working with us when they're at site 10 you know <laughs> further down yeah. the line. so um it's a great great approach chris I, i'm sure there'll be a few people listening to this that will uh, want to get in touch we'll, we'll catch your details at the end of the podcast <laughs> but that's a great service to offer especially for people that are just getting started it's really helpful thank you so I'm going to go on to um, a quick fire round here, just some questions that I've been asked by listeners over the piece doing this mini series, and who better to ask than yourself? So we don't have any sites where we have double stacked containers, um, but I think you have some customers that do, and I just wanted you just to quickly tell me, is there many customers that double stack containers, and what's the implications for access and pricing? as in to the consumer so if you've got a container that's on ground level access clearly is fairly close if you then got to go up on a mezzanine to get into a double stacked container does that affect price can you just expand on that a little bit um yeah so to answer your uh your your first question we it's it's one of those it's not um overly popular it's getting it's getting bigger now i suppose we've probably got about maybe 10 percent of our customers have uh, have double stacked units but it is growing quite a lot now because one of the problems i'm sure you're, you're aware of is actually getting new sites so when you know when customers are struggling with that they tend to then expand their existing sites and the, the, the most obvious way is, is to go up you know so we go go second level so it's yeah. becoming, becoming a lot bigger at, at the moment um if you are literally just putting a 20-foot container on top of a 20-foot container. Um, there's lots of things you'll need to consider with that because um, you know access is, is is the most important. You know you're going to need to build some sort of mezzanine. Some people use sort of a mobile staircase, but all of those you know are going to chew into your your area really. You know your space for for vehicle movements. So um, one of the things that we're seeing a lot more now with with helping people you know with supply of is um, uh, is containers that you access from the site or the top of containers we can actually go into them they're almost rooms within the containers that then sit on top of the, the standard containers below so you're building almost kind of a, a, an internal self-storage 
um, you know, uh, room, should we say, or facility um, on top of your on top of your ground level units. Um, so that is a that that's that's becoming more popular because you, it doesn't chew into your space for um, you know your your aisles basically. Interesting, yeah. And and do sometimes do some people double stack by putting smaller containers on the top? Yeah, to can... just allow you to build the walkway on top of the underneath container. Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've seen that um, quite a few sites actually, where you, you put maybe a 10, con- ten foot container on top of a twenty foot container, and then build sort of a uh, you know walkway um, along the the other half of the roof of the twenty foot. If that makes sense. Um, that's that's quite popular. There's there's certain things you need to um, think about when doing that, such as you know the the support, making sure obviously the smaller container on top is is level because only half of it is going to be sitting on the on the corner supports of the the unit below of course yeah so you can you can come into issues with that and you often need to do sort of more work in terms of sort of steel fabrication wherever it might be to make sure that you know the experience storing on the second level is you know as good as on the ground level units um but it 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 can be done but as for you mentioned about sort of the the pricing for it if you are um, just putting, you know, like for like a 20 foot container on top of the 20 foot container, obviously cost for that is, is, is no different, but you need to factor in um, the cost for uh, cost for a mezzanine. If you're having the units where you're, as mentioned, you're, you're accessing them side on, those units are more, they're probably roughly, you know, double the cost of a, a 20 foot container, but you're not having the cost of a mezzanine. So it probably evens out over the you know over your whole site it, it will be pretty um pretty similar with the thought that's interesting that's certain certainly something i've been asked about the double stack stuff and i just don't have have experience of it and we talked there a little bit about 10 foot containers and we have spoken about 20 foots before just before people get too excited about 10 foot containers um can you just um let us know what the pricing difference is between a 10 foot and a 20 foot yeah, um, it's probably not good for people to hear, but you know, they, <laughs> historically the ten foots have actually always been more than more than twenties, and one of the one of the reasons behind that um, is because of the, the shipping costs. As I, as I mentioned earlier, the the twenty foots we can work with the shipping lines to actually get those get those used used on a uh, on a free use basis over um, over to the, the UK. Uh, whereas ten foot containers um, they are shipped. You know, we have to pay for the pay for the shipping on those. Um, yeah. There's ways to there's ways to to improve it. You, we can put eight foot containers inside of the ten foots. Um, we can bolt up to four ten foots together and ship them over as forty foot. So there's various things you can do to keep that um, you know keep that cost lower. Um, but typically they're they're sort of the same, if not more than a than a twenty foot. So you know when you're renting those out on your sites, obviously you can't charge your customers the same as a twenty foot because you you don't have the you know the lettable area to uh, to yeah. offer them. So you just have a longer payback. Um, that's sort of the, the way to the way to look at it. But I would always say if you've got, you know, a ten foot worth of space on your site that you need to fill, put it in there. Even if it is, you know, the same cost as a twenty foot and it's and it's expensive and it'll take you long to pay it back. You want to be looking at that um, that that space utilization. So it's still worth doing. Yeah, hundred percent. And at that point, you know, you can argue that your overhead's covered by the other containers. So if you've got a ten foot spot right there, all you're looking at ROI wise is on the container itself. Mm. So on that, the numbers will still be good. Yeah. So just a couple other questions then. In your experience, um, what what is the actual percentage of unit sales that are twenty foot containers? I mean. Is that 90% of sales? I mean, we have some 40s ourselves, but 20 is the main thing that we have. Yeah, I mean, we sell uh, we sell probably 80% and above uh, 20 yeah. containers each, each year. So it is a, it is a very, uh, very high proportion. Um, we're doing quite a lot of container conversions as well. And as I said, we're, um, uh, we're, we're selling sort of um, site accommodation units um, into the construction market. So... For, for us as a business, it's maybe slightly skewed, but it, it's very high on sort of standard containers. It is, it is really high. And it, it is yeah. a bread and butter unit, I suppose, when, you, when you're driving around and you're going into um, containerized self-storage sites. It, it's just 20s everywhere. It's primarily yeah. that's what, you're, what you'll see. Unless, as I said, there's maybe a little corner or sort of an odd shaped you know, area within the site that you've got a few other different size units. But yeah, 20 foot is the, is the main one. Yeah. We, I made the mistake at one point. We ordered a 40 foot, which is fine for where it needed to go. 
but um, I didn't realize it was a high cube. <laughs> so we got this 40 foot high cube container came in and high cubes about another foot higher, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. you look inside these things, it's like looking in a giant cave. <laughs> they really are long and deep, loads and loads of storage space in a 40 foot container. They're just huge. Um, yeah. I, that that particular one with the high cube was for a commercial customer, so they they managed to use all the space. But you need a pretty big house to fill a forty foot container that's yeah. uh, nine foot high. It's funny. I get I get asked quite a lot actually when you know we're, we're setting up um, sites. People people ask me sort of how many um, how many forties should we get in? You know what do you reckon the the mix should be between twenties and forties? You know should it be fifty fifty or whatever? And I'm saying to be honest, um, I, I would start when you're laying out your site just start doing it with 20s because it's it's quite rare you actually ever get someone that comes in and they've got something that's that requires uh, a 40 foot you know they've got something that's longer than 20 foot shall we say that needs to get to get stored nine times out of ten they will just take two 20 foot if they need that amount of square exactly um and you know for a consumer to take a take a 40 foot over the over the two two 20s they can't get to the stuff. You know, you'll see it over, over the years, they put more and more in and they'll forget what they've got at the back of it and they'll never be able to get to it. So, you know, in terms yeah. of functionality, uh, it always makes sense to have a, um, to have a, a pair of, uh, pair of twenties. What I would say is quite good though. Um, if you have sort of tunnel forties, so you've got doors at both ends, you can actually part, uh, put a partition in the middle, which makes it, you know, overall cheaper than, you know, interesting getting two twenties to site so that's something you can do as well which is which is quite useful yeah yeah I, we from our point of view yeah we, we have some customers back to your point about two containers we have some commercial customers that have three or four containers and then they fluctuate maybe down to three up to five mm. depending on what they're doing at, at that time of year but it's not unusual to have customers with with multiple containers yeah but yeah i, I think they would struggle to have 40s just because as you say access just becomes so difficult um, in your observations then, just looking a little bit further forward, is there any markets around the world we should look at for inspiration about maybe what's potential to come for self-storage? Um, I think it has to be America. Obviously, we, we touched on it uh, touched on it before. I mean, they are they're light years ahead of us uh, in terms of the, you know, the actual the market itself. Um, I, I think they're sort of, you know, five and a half square foot per person, um, around 60,000 facilities. And we're sort of less than a square foot per person, only about 2,000 facilities. So the wow. potential for yeah. growth there, if you're looking between the two, um, you know, the two markets is massive. Now, obviously, you know, I'm sure pricing in America is it's, it's much more competitive. You know, the, the it's sharper, you know, what, what people can actually get for, you know, for their, for their space is much better out there. But it's a good indication of what uh, of what's to come. We, we touched on it, on it um, when we've spoken before about you know I'm not sure if we'll ever get to you know that sort of level because of the difficulty to you know to, to build on the land to actually create these sites. Um, but we've got to, I think we'll get we'll get a good way there. I'd agree. It, it's amazing when you got. I mean, just a trip to Florida or somewhere. You drive along and you you just see them dotted around. Once once it's like cars, isn't it? Once you've <laughs> once you've bought a particular color, they're everywhere. And and when you're out there looking, I went to a storage conference out there, and it just amazed me how strong that market is. Mm. How frequently you see these um, sites, and also from a finance point of view, how investment trusts and investment funds look at these um, storage facilities and, and of course some of them have multiple multiple sites but their ROI is really low because yeah. they see it as a as a good investment class I mean the Americans they, they've made it popular you know that's that's the other thing I think when you go to the to the states um, people know it you know a lot of people have got a, a self-store or have used self-storage in the past um you know and they've got all the tv shows about it and all this kind of stuff so it is yeah. it, it is just a normal thing out there and we're not we're not at that we're not at that stage no. you know it's not trendy it's not something people kind of um interact with that that much yet and, and really really yeah. know um but we're, we're getting there yeah. we're getting there exactly right exactly right so in the us australia some of these markets where certainly you might think a container inland away from coastal locations might last fairly long how long would you expect a one-trip container to last outdoors in the uk 
I appreciate that depends on at what stage it's finished. Is that when it's got 16 holes in the roof or is that when the doors have fallen off because they're rusted? But in terms of just a watertight container, what's your thoughts on length of sort of service? Um, when we're when we're speaking to customers, we, we say sort of 30, 35 years, um, at, at, and that's sort of at a, at a minimum, really. Um, the, the containers now um, <clears throat> are are built a lot better than the containers that, um, the, you know, the ex-shippers that we're sort of yeah. you know, selling at this point, you're sort of 10, 15 years on, if that makes sense. The, you know, the sort of thinner steel on them, but, you know, in terms of the actual way in which they're manufactured, it's it, it, it's very good now. So without sort of, you know, launching myself <laughs> 35 years in the future and having a look, um, it, it would be difficult, but we're pretty confident that's, that, that's the level. Now, I've actually sold containers that that, that are older than me that are sort of at the you know thirty five um, year old mark, uh, and they're pretty good. You know they they were decent containers. So you know based on that, the the current ones now as they are, um, you know really really good spec containers. Um, they they should be able to do that and then some. But that's what we say as a as a sort of rough um, estimates sort of you know the thirty thirty five year mark. Yeah, the technology is interesting in the in the containers and how how they've evolved and more ventilation and these sorts of things. And and although it just seems like a simple box, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of improvements. We we when we bought our first site, it already had containers on it that were ex shipping containers, and that was 15 years ago, and they're still there working yeah. well. Yeah. And and since then, there's been more, as you say, more technological advances on how they construct them. And the ventilation, which is an important part. What what other innovations have you observed more in technology surrounding self-storage itself? You spoke earlier on about making things easy for the customer. Is there some other things or applications even and things that are coming in more on the tech side that are helping with self-storage? I wouldn't say too much. I mean, the, the, the containers have to still... Um, still be built with with shipping in mind i mean everything um that they always have to be built to sort of iso criteria so they can be used for the intermodal transport that we've, we've spoken about um but there's 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 subtle differences i mean the improving the ventilation is as you've mentioned um you know adding dark wood floors they've, they've moved the handlebars now so they're they're waist high and they're longer handles as well so making doors easier to to open and close um so just sort of you know small small bits here and there i'd say the you know in terms of technology that the, the area where we've seen it really be beneficial is the actual factories themselves i mean they are now um you know featuring robotics on on assembly lines so in terms of actually churning containers out that is um that, that is improving that is that is really really impressive um but i think you know until the self-storage market We'll see maybe that they don't want to use, you know, the, the shipping containers. Maybe sort of a, a different type of container is used for it. Um, I would I would say that it will it will stay roughly, you know, as as they are. Just a, a few subtle changes because we have to keep them keep them still very, you know, good for good for shipping. That's the primary primary use um, use for them. Are you seeing other people build them, uh, you know, build sort of uh, containers or sort of you know um, storage units. Um, you know, in different countries with, you know, looking more at the self-storage market, you know, putting roller shutter doors in and, um, you know, slightly, you know, maybe slightly different dimensions and things like that. So there are there are changes, but at the moment, the, the cost of using um, ISO shipping containers is, is the best. So that's why it still is is the main uh, the main product used. And Chris, when you're out with your customers, is there any tech that they're using that's allowing the customer to have a smoother journey. So it might be applications they can use on the phone. I mean, obviously, payment methods can be online, etc. But are you seeing technology creeping into the customer experience? Absolutely, I'd say um, this is where you're, you've probably seen the, the most advancements. Um, you know, in self storage is is the the products that are now available to to the operators. Um, you know, whether it be um, you know, with the security, you know, having all the sort of um, automated uh, gates and, and lights and the CCTV systems now are just absolutely phenomenal. And people having sort of ANPR cameras, you know, when, when customers are driving up and gates automatically opening, all these kind of things are just, you know, fantastic, you know, great for security, but also really good for the customer because it's, it's yeah. easy. 
Um, and as I said, you know, earlier in the podcast, that the user journey is so important to to, to make that um, just a wonderful experience for the you know for the for the customer. Um, and some companies are just getting it spot on. You know, you you literally go from you know the inquiry stage to actually having um, you know a text message basically with a unit number and a code on on your phone. You know, with, within minutes. You know, it's that easy now. There's companies that just streamline that that whole process um, to make the you know to make the the experience that much nicer and, and that much easier. So you know, people don't have to don't have to worry. You've almost you know by the inquiry stage, you've almost um, you know done the done the deal then and there. So um, that's where that's where we're seeing technology being you know just fantastic, making the you know really sort of driving the driving the, the market market forward, and that's where the the leading companies will continue to do well because they put in all yeah. they invest in that side of it. Yeah, so that's where the differentiation comes. Yeah, because the containers are containers are containers, as we've said, but mm. how you offer that to the customer and provide the best customer experience is going to set you apart. Exactly. Um, this really really been really useful, Chris. I I want to just ask you a couple of last things. One was just around. Um, Willbox and some of the container styles that you're starting to put out. I appreciate in construction, you've been asked for different things over the years, but containers are getting used in more and more different markets now. And even within self storage, as you just mentioned there, some people are looking at splitting containers 40 foot down to maybe 220s with a partition inside, some of them with side entrances. So you guys are involved in that process too, aren't you, Chris? Can you just maybe just explain a little bit more about some of the innovations that you've been involved in? Absolutely. So, um, you know, in terms of, um, you know, container modification and container conversions, that's um, that, that's a big part of our business and, and something that's, that's really exciting and we really, really enjoy. Um, and that has, as I mentioned, that has started by, you know, the equipment we supplied to the construction industry where we were building sort of um, site accommodation units, you know, offices, offices and canteens and toilet blocks, whatever it might be. But um, th- those skills can be passed you know, pass through to sort of the, the conversion work for um, self-storage product projects, um, and that is it, it's a it's a big thing now. Sort of having partitions, you know, multi-door units, um, putting roller shutter doors in, as we've mentioned, um, you know, half-height containers, whatever it might be. There's there's loads of different things um, people people are doing now. They're asking you know asking us to to supply for them, and it's good because the actual standard. You know, uh, product range of of containers in terms of, of, of sizes goes you know all the way down from sort of you know six foot containers all the way up to forty five foot containers. So you've got a good um, base unit to work on, depending on what the the, the customer's modification modification requirements are. Um, but one thing we found that we're we're doing a lot more of at the moment is still sort of factory um, you know bespoke orders from the factories in China. So when we we mentioned before about um, you know, topper units or side access units for the second second level of containers. We'll do those orders now um, direct with with factories in China, just because it is it is a lot uh, it is a lot cheaper than doing that. You know, in the UK, sort of you know doing a sort of retrofitting and, and modifications in the UK, the Chinese can just do it do it quicker right. and and um, you know and, and, and a lot cheaper. So um, and that's the same for for multi door units. And I'm sure you've seen those before. But you know, essentially, you can take either a twenty foot or forty foot container. And put, um, put sort of personnel, you know, single personnel doors along along the side, whether that's sort of four, six, or eight eight doors. Um, do a row of those, and that's you know that that's particularly useful for sites where they're sort of an odd shape. You know, they've got a, a corner here or there where they can't get a run of containers, but they might be able to get sort of maybe a, a thinner unit. So just put a forty foot side on with lots of doors. That's perfect, and that's really popular. We we sell quite a few of those each each year now. That's interesting. Yes, yeah, so it's a way of really maximising that site, which comes back to maybe getting you guys involved in planning out the best use of a site. Because yeah. transport will last for a certain travel distance, not travel distance, sorry, width of access so that vehicles can get in. Is it a one-way system? If it's not, how, how can people drive past somebody that's already emptying their car or vehicle? So there is there is... Always seems to be more space given over to to, to driving around than, than you think. Yeah. Um, but having the ability to drop in containers side on, that's not something I'd thought about before. That's quite interesting. It's been really fascinating. Loads of information there. Thank you. 
I'm sh pretty sure there's going to be some people that are going to want to get in touch with you. So the last bit is, could you maybe let us know where people can find you? Um, I will put some in the, the notes as well. Where can they find you? How can they get in touch if they would like to do so, Chris? Easiest way really and how I do most of my communication just um, via email. So it's chris at wheelbox.co.uk um, or call me on my mobile, which I'm happy to give out, which is 077-39-208-846. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and visit our website as well, which is www.wheelbox.co.uk to learn more about us and, and get in touch with myself along with the whole team. Thank you very much, Chris. We really enjoyed having you on the show. It's been very, very educational. There's loads of notes that are written for myself. This industry is growing and expanding all the time. And I really hope that what we've talked about today is going to give some inspiration and knowledge to our listeners so they can develop their own spaces and think about how they can use self-storage or container self-storage either as a standalone business or within their offer on some of their sites where they're doing commercial multi-let. So if anyone has any questions or things they would like to share with the rest of the listeners, don't forget to go onto Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash commercial property investor. And in there, you'll find the group. If you go on the page, click the link, you'll be able to find the group and you can go in there and share some of your stories or thoughts about the storage container business. So really appreciate you tuning in. Look forward to speaking to you all again very soon. Mm -hmm.